Because, you know, the bathroom of a men's restroom is where you're like, you know what, let's get it on, and yeah. yeah. Plus, especially the old Metrodome. That was, uh, I didn't even like going in there to pee. Welcome to another edition of Bitter Units, a podcast from the Tailgate Society. Visit us on the web at thetailgatesociety.com and sponsored by Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best damn barbecue sauce in the entire universe. Uh, check them out at IV Fairway online at locallymarket.com and at their website at deadeyebbq.com. Uh, I, this is not even just about their sponsoring us i have their dead eye barbecue sauce in my fridge right now and it is delightful i am joined this week by mr jt nut jt how are we doing not too bad my friend it's a friday night opening day for baseball for opening night last night pretty good to see that uh if there's one thing i like with baseball is drinking beer and i'm glad to be part of a podcast where we talk about that because for me it goes hand in hand so I'd rather be in person, but for the foreseeable future, that's not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, we have Boulevard on this weekend. That's one of my favorite breweries, which is right down the street from my favorite Mexican place on the rest in the world in Ponax. So happy to have someone from Kansas City here. Perfect. Uh, you guys are loyal listeners. May notice that we do not have Mr. Aaron Wall this week. He is out on vacation. Uh, he is exploring. I don't recall where. Somewhere in the Montana or something like that. Um, JT, do you remember, David? Do you remember? I didn't pay that. It's somewhere out. Yeah. I want to say it's Montana or something like that where he's away from people that can call him ugly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, some of our listeners might be a little bit disappointed. I happen to think this will probably be our uh, most acclaimed podcast yet. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy, not even here to defend himself. But we are joined this week by Mr. Pat Mullen, the digital marketing manager for Boulevard. Is that correct, Pat? That's correct, yes. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. I uh, I don't know that you know what you got yourself into, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm ready to dive in regardless. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, we'll go ahead and start off and maybe just have you tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, you bet. Um, so I've been with Boulevard for about five and a half years now. Um, been in specifically digital marketing for um, about three, three and a half of those years. Um, started off at the company just as kind of a general uh, marketing manager. So doing a little bit of everything. But my entire professional history before that was in digital and social marketing. So, um, you know, of course, our marketing team has grown like crazy over the last few years. So at one point when we created this digital marketing manager role, I knew I needed to transition into that because it's everything that I've kind of built expertise in, you know, both professionally and personally, um, or you and I met through Twitter. So um, it's something on social media, something that I'm deeply ingrained in. So um, it's something that I love doing. Uh, my job is great. And what's kind of really special about it is um, before I started at Boulevard, I actually wrote for uh, a local beer blog called Casey Beer Blog. So um, this was really before there was even any sort of 
large Kansas City craft brewery presence. So um, I was fortunate to kind of be writing for that blog as things really started to blossom a little bit um, and then parlay that into a career. So it's been really cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, welcome uh, very much. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Boulevard has going on, what's kind of new, what's kind of exciting. I know, obviously, in this pandemic that we're still kind of in, things have, have maybe looked a little bit different than what sure. you thought in January. But what, what type of things you guys have going on? Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of exciting stuff the past couple of years and kind of going outside of our comfort zone. Um, so this isn't a new, new beer, but, uh, one of our recent introductions was space camper, uh, cosmic IPA. Um, and, uh, that we pulled that out into the market. Um, you know, certainly not intending it for it to be perceived as a hazy IPA because it's not. Um, but you know, somewhere that kind of lies in the middle of, um, you know, this sort of hybrid, if you will, of like a session IPA, a hazy IPA. Really, we just wanted to make this juicy, super crushable IPA that you could have a few of in a row. Um, and uh, it's been doing amazingly well. Um, and the really fun part about it is we got to do a lot of cool stuff. We kind of um, were able to tie it in sort of with pop culture um, and particularly, you know, video games, comic books, things of that nature. Um, so, uh, we actually had a space camper online game that we built when we first rolled the beer out. Um, super fun, like a Galaga S game that we got to make. Um, and then, you know, we, uh, had people enter into a contest if they got to a certain level and everything. So I had an absolute blast with that because I'm a total dweeb when it comes to, you know, just Comic-Con style stuff. So, you know, if it's you know, retro gaming or the comic books, things like that. Um, I very much immersed myself into that. So it's been really cool seeing Space Camper do well. Um, also selfishly from a marketing standpoint, because it allows us to do some really super fun kind of off the wall stuff that we wouldn't necessarily get to do with say an unfiltered wheat beer or a tank seven or something. Sure. No, that's, that's awesome. Uh, so you've been there, you said four years, uh, about five and a half actually. Oh, five and a half years. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so you've seen, you know, a few different kind of changes and and the brand pr progress quite a bit in that yeah. time. Absolutely. Uh, how much do you guys uh, in your role at Boulevard work with the other uh, brands within that that Duval? The Duval USA family. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because we certainly have a lot of communication with them. So, um, for example, the marketing director for like the import brands. So Chouf and um, Duval and stuff like that. He's in Kansas City. So, you know, his office is right there with us. Uh, we're talking to each other all the time. Um, but it's kind of neat because even though we very much have these communication overlaps, um, we also have the benefit of still being able to operate pretty independently. Um, so, you know, I think when that uh, Duval transaction first happened years and years ago, I think that, you know, it was doom and gloom for a lot of beer dorks who thought that, you know, it was over for us and that we were going to be manipulated and controlled by Belgians on every step we took. And it just really hasn't been the case. Um, in fact, it, if anything, it feels like having um, that investment has allowed, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of Kansas Cityans to be hired on. So it's really boosted our presence locally because we were able to open the tours and rec center and, you know, like I mentioned before, expand our marketing team. So it's been, it's been really interesting to 
you know, I started on the outside seeing that uh, acquisition happen and then get to move in and really see it from within. Switching gears here, one of the questions we ask every one of our guests, if you were stuck on a desert island, what would be your three, four, five kind of go-to beers that you'd want to have? This is a hard question because I'm a dark beer person, but also like thinking about drinking dark beer on a desert island sounds kind of miserable. So um, I'd probably include at least one. So um, uh, maybe it's, it's an ice desert island. It's really cold, and he needs some more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so saison Brett uh, is pretty much my all-time favorite Boulevard beer. Um, so I think I'd bring some of that for sure. Um, no, are we talking just Boulevard beers or beers in general? No, I guess it's in general. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you don't have to be, uh, just a complete fool for the brand. That's <laughs> I mean, I will be a Homer, but I mean, if I can, <laughs> I will. um, so yeah, definitely some of that. Um, honestly, tank seven too. tank seven is amazing, especially now that it's in 16 ounce cans. Um, feels very island appropriate, so I could bring some of that. Um, you know, one thing that we don't make, um, we did a one-off uh, a while back, but we don't make permanently, is I love a good Hefeweizen in hot weather. Um, so I don't know that I have a specific one pinpointed, but I would definitely want an ample supply of that because I love drinking that in warm weather. Um, and then... Um, Nice tie-in. One of the my other favorite beers that we make that uh, we'll taste later is Bourbon Barrel Quad, and I would definitely bring some of that for those moments where it's not sweltering hot and I can break out a bigger barrel-aged beer. Nice, nice. Yeah, I really, really like the the Bourbon Barrel Quad. I was happy that we settled on that one to drink for sure, and I'm happy we're saving it for later. And I'm not just slamming it during this part right now. Otherwise, it might get a little incoherent. <laughs> Words, words might be hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So I, you just got married uh, yeah, yeah. about two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks tomorrow. Yep. Nice. Uh, is, is your wife a beer person? Um, we are both just kind of everything food and beverage people. Um, so she likes beer a lot. Um, but, you know, we just love to explore all of it. So, um we want to eat and drink everything in sight and we'll try new things. And so, you know, on any given weekend, I don't even want to know like the vast variety of things that we plow through, but I mean, we'll have champagne in the fridge regularly where I'm making French 75s and then I'll transition to a tank seven right after that or whatever. So, um, it's everything for us for sure. What did you guys have at your wedding? Um, <laughs> beer wise, of course, I got like 14 cases of beer from the brewery, which was almost <laughs> needed, but I wanted to make sure we were good. Um, so we had Tank 7, Space Camper, Phantom Haze, uh, Unfiltered Wheat, Easy Sport, um, and then uh, a couple different white, just a white and a red wine and some liquor. So, yeah, we made sure people were well lubricated for sure. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds like that would be a good time. I've, I think I found uh, brewery employee weddings are some of my favorite ones to go oh, to. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. Growing up in, in Iowa, and, and JT can certainly attest to this, a lot, of, uh, a lot of times a wedding that maybe is taking place in a machine shed, uh, they'll let you know they've got both kinds, you know, Bud and Bud Light. 
So uh, it, it's always it's always fun to have something with a little bit more selection for sure. Well, yeah, and you know, being the uh, food and beverage snobs that we are, you know, we would go to all these venues, and so many of them they have these very specific you know beverage packages that you can pick from. And of course, those come with just your super basic beer selection and everything. And you go to all those and be like, we don't want this. We need to find a place that we can just bring our own stuff in or customize it. So luckily we found one that it was, I mean, it was basically like you can bring in whatever you want. So it worked out really well. Yeah, I went, I went to one, I think last summer, two years ago, two years ago, where uh, the catering company that, that they had hired didn't even know how to hook up and operate a tap so in oh, the middle, oh no yeah. yeah so right before they opened wow. the tap, they paged me over uh to the bar to help them get everything set up so you know how luck, can you run a wedding have... and not know how to hook up a keg i don't know uh it was the whole draft system i had a keg wrench on me anyway so it was fine but did they did they not go to college uh <laughs> maybe not i don't know <laughs> I don't know. Um, also, it's like, is it that hard? I feel like you no. can just look at it, determine the shapes of things, and be like, yes, this is where this goes. You would think. I just yeah. imagine them like clunking it up against the keg, like just trying to figure it out. They, they were the kids that had a little toy where they kept trying to put the circle in the square, and it wouldn't work. Daddy, this toy's broken. No, it's not. You're just stupid. But yeah. Hey. Hey, Aaron's not here. You can't talk about him like that. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm going to anyway, so. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. So uh, we were talking a little bit before we started here. It is finally baseball season. My Minnesota Twins let off the very first pitch with the home run tonight, which was good to see. I uh, guess everyone's picked to be the World Series contenders out of the AL and the uh, White Sox. Yeah, uh, they they jumped on them for four runs pretty early right there in the first. Yeah. I, I haven't checked the score since we it was started. four nothing last I saw. I, I don't know if the White Sox has scored since then, but yeah. So uh, yeah, so excited for that. Uh, obviously, giving away what day we're recording this, but this will <laughs> hopefully we'll have a win before this thing airs. Uh, but uh, uh, Pat, you guys. Get pretty involved at Kauffman Stadium. How, how are you guys feeling about having the, the socially distanced, you know, limited fan? Yeah, I think we kind of feel the same way as we do about, you know, bars and all the restrictions there. You know, it's been tough for us this year, um, you know, just with draft business being hit so hard and not being able to do events and activations with partners like that. Um, so it's going to be a different year for sure. Um and, you know, we were talking a little bit about Craft and Draft, which is um, a special bar area at Kauffman Stadium that is uh, really craft beer focused. Um, I can't remember exactly which year it opened, but it's been three or four years now. I believe that's been opened up. Um, and it's an amazing place. I mean, anymore, if I'm going to a Royals game, I'm not even really super concerned about what ticket I get because I know I'm going to end up in Craft and Draft and hanging out and drinking in there and watching the game from that space. So, um yeah, the, the Royals have always been a huge, um, a huge partner for us, um, both officially and unofficially. You know, we've it's been an official thing in the past few years, but before that, it was more just a kind of um, a spoken but not officially tied fandom. Uh, so, you know, back years ago, when um, the Royals uh, made it into the playoffs, not the World Series win, but um, we made a beer called Crown Town. 
Um, and yeah. this is all legend because this was before I came on, but I guess it was just, it was a painstaking process, like getting the label created and the wording that we could use because we could not even make like any sort of slight allusions to us being partners with the Royals because we weren't. So it couldn't even be, you know, something that someone might assume if they looked at the bottle. So it's just funny how those things work. And, you know, of course now us being actual official partners with them, uh, I have such a different perspective on it because now I see, you know, companies who use the marks without permission and stuff like that. You sons of bitches. Like here, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> we, we worked really hard to have this official partnership and everything. And they're just ripping stuff off. So, but yeah, we, uh, tons of hardcore baseball fans in the brewery, myself included. Um, you know, I remember my dad bailing me out of school when I was a kid to go to opening day. Um, so Royals have been a big deal for me for a long, long time. So it's kind of cool to see those pieces of my life intertwine with baseball and beer. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how many, how many uh, beers do you guys have available at, at Kaufman right now? Do you oh, know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, factoring and crafting draft, I'd have to believe that at any given time, and if we're talking like canned cocktails and stuff too, I guess it's usually between 15 and 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to guess 16 because I've gone to the craft and draft a few times and <laughs> it seems like there was 12 to 16 taps. If I just mm. was just trying to pick it up yeah. off the top of my head. And what I like about that too, is you have some of your special beers that may not be available to the rest of the country. We just yeah. got the one off or the kind of, we're going to try this out. Like that's the first time I've had calling oh, and I yeah. really liked it, but yeah, but no, that's an awesome spot. And I like the fact that Kaufman is really kind of, tailor themselves to yes you can watch baseball but yes if you just want to come here and have a good time you can walk around the stadium totally. and you can hang out in the craft and draft and have a good time if you really want to watch we'll sell seats which i never have ever been able to actually buy a seat in craft and draft but it really doesn't matter anyway because you can just stand yeah. behind well not anymore for the next year or so <laughs> right the whole six foot distancing <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah but no that's that's just a great spot because the food is really good and it's just a really cool spot where it's open, but it's still cooler than the rest of the park because Kaufman can get pretty warm. But yeah, mm-hmm. but in the Craft and Draft, that, that's a badass spot. And I'm glad that it intru- introduces me to a ton of Boulevard beers I might not normally get a shot at. Yeah, totally. And of course, I'm biased, but I think Kaufman just in general is a really beautiful ballpark. Um, yeah. Craft and Draft aside, like the big concourse out in the outfield yep. with the fount- yep. fountains and everything, and there are seats that are out there kind of amidst the fountains. Like, it's just a really neat place to go watch a baseball game. I love being out there. Well, then you got the thing beyond center field with like the little things for kids to run around and all that. Totally. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a totally yeah. family experience. And yeah, I just wish there were more hotels around there, but. Yeah, it's a little lacking in that area. It's a big but, point of contention in Kansas City of the location of uh, the baseball stadium and the football stadium because you know they're right next to each other, um, kind of out in no man's land. And so, but it's it's not that expensive of a Uber ride as long as it's not no. a downpour. Because the last game I went to there was the Cubs and the Royals. Where I'm looking at the radar, I'm like, uh, Dad, we need to leave right now. He's like, we Gotta like, go right got now. A thunderstorm and the the raindrops were so big. I was trying to check into an Uber and the raindrops registered as a thumbprint on my phone. So I had to duck into a porta potty. And it was the middle of the week. So normally most of the hotels would just have a shuttle that would go there. But it was a Wednesday night. So, like, yeah, we're not going to do a shuttle. I'm like, the Cubs are in town. If you're ever going to have a shuttle, like, do it tonight. You could charge people $20 a head 
to get to and from the game, and they gladly play it, pay it. But yeah, but it's not that far away. It's just yeah, it's kind of pain in the butt. But Uber and taxis and all that makes it pretty reachable. Yeah. JT, I assume you were one of those people from Iowa that got in trouble for jumping in the fountain a couple years ago? No, but that girl is the type of girl I usually date, so maybe I'll meet her again soon. Uh, she was from Iowa, though, but yeah. Yeah, I wonder uh, how many beers she had before she jumped in there. Actually, I might know her. Don't come to think of <laughs> so the Iowa Cubs... I might know who that girl is, but I can't confirm it. But now that I think of it, yeah. The blonde hair, her age, her propensity to drink and be an idiot, I might know that gal. But that was, what, 10 years ago? I'm looking right now. That this was is very, This is very though. important. Yes. Yeah. No, this is, this is hard-hitting topical stuff that we cover here. Uh, this is hard-hitting hard journalism right now. 2013? Yeah. Okay. Seven years ago, I could see that. Oh, oh, funny. Yeah, she's from Des Moines. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. Here's my here's my favorite quotation from this article. We may never know what possessed the woman, 25 years old, from Des Moines, dubbed Fountain Mom by the Royals community, even though there doesn't appear to be evidence she has a child. <laughs> I, I vividly remember that of her being called Fountain Mom on Twitter, <laughs> no one. You're like, there's nothing that said she had a kid, but it's just it's what happened. The Internet gets a hold of something and they make their own story. Was yeah. it the same time of year as Vodka Sam? Uh, yeah, it might be. Okay. Uh, yeah. Pat, if you're not familiar with Vodka Sam, this was a uh, a Hawkeye fan. Yeah, I'm sure if you Google Vodka Sam, it's going to oh come. Oh, my up. God. Oh, good Lord. What, what was her, her BAC? <laughs> oh, God. Point three four one. <laughs> So, like, she should have been dead. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's 2.41? 3.341. Oh, good Lord. I knew there was... Oh, good Lord. Like, damn. Well, And, and the best part is she tweeted about it. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then deleted it, but yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it, it sort of ruined her life. Not that I should be laughing about that, but it was pretty... Well, there was also... No, there's uh, a lot of people that made her a celebrity. I'm like, you know what? This isn't something you should celebrate, like, to be quite honest. There there were also Hawkeye fans that got caught hooking up, like, that didn't even know each other, that got caught hooking up in, in the restroom at the old Metrodome here in Minneapolis. Yes, that was a woman that was married and a young guy who was going to college, the woman who was married, got fired from her job from that. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh... Because, so you know, the bathroom of a men's restroom is where you're like you know what let's get it on and yeah, yeah. plus especially the old metrodome that was oh i didn't even like going in there to pee no but the floor <laughs> you know what that's fair game but anyway yeah anyway anyway so uh yeah uh obviously people <laughs> go to stadiums have a little bit too much to drink and and uh <laughs> I'm sure that's never happened with you, though, Pat. Going no, of course not. <laughs> going to, to a ball game and, and overconsuming. <laughs> never. But one, one good thing that combats being too drunk is good food. So I have to ask, yeah. what are yeah. your favorite barbecue places in Kansas City, and what's your favorite Mexican place in Kansas City? Because those are definitely things that Kansas City people definitely have a very stern opinion on. So I'll start with Mexican because that's an easy, straightforward answer. Um, Port Fonda 
which is okay. in a neighborhood here called Westport. It is an yep. absolutely incredible Mexican restaurant. Um, the head chef there, Patrick Ryan, he is super talented dude. Um, it's, you know, rotating seasonal menus and it's usually pulled from like very specific trips that he's taken down to Mexico and stuff okay. that he ate there and kind of inspired him. But my God, like that place is absolutely amazing. Um, barbecue. So that's a much more complicated question as you can Especially imagine. in Kansas Kansas City, City. Yes. Um, so for me, it's less about having an overall favorite and more like favorite meat at a certain place okay. so like um which i know is absolutely ridiculous but that's just no, not how it is here no, 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 that's very that's very true so yeah a lot of strong opinions so my favorite like burn ends are at joe's kansas city probably um if i'm wanting beef uh there's a very underrated place down off southwest boulevard it's actually right by ponax have you been there um to danny edwards I've seen Danny Edwards. I haven't eaten there, though. But So I think the beef there is really killer. Okay. And then if I'm going something like not hardcore barbecue, but I want like an awesome sandwich or something like that, Q39 is really good. Um, so, you know, I feel like it's kind of like, what's the mood? What's the mood tonight? What are you, what are you feeling? And that's how you guide your barbecue decision. No, if, I know you're going to say it. So if like a tourist was coming in, they only had time for one restaurant trip. I would probably tell them Joe's Kansas City, the gas station original location. Okay. Because it's a combination of the food and the experience of I'm really standing here in a gas station waiting for a barbecue. Because those lines, you know, will go out the door yes. at like 1030 in the morning with people waiting for barbecue. No, there's a funny story. I'm, I'm a Chargers fan. There's a funny story a few years ago. Uh, Philip Rivers was in line with Charlie Whitehurst, a backup quarterback. And they got tired of waiting, so they just went. They said, oh, "Forget it. We're just gonna go. We're just gonna go somewhere else." He goes to the game the next day, and some guy's like, "Hey, I was in line behind you. If you waited ten more minutes, you could have got barbecue. Why did you leave?" And Paul's <laughs> like, "Okay." And the guy chirps him the entire game. He's like, "Hey, Phil, at the end of the game, can I get your helmet?" And Phil's like, "You know what? Yeah, you can have my helmet." So he gave him like helmet or jersey or whatever after that. But he's like, "Yeah, some guy knew who I was because." It, Phil Rivers stands out in a crowd. Uh -huh. He's like, yeah, but I thought that was pretty funny. Like the guy's yelling at him. He's like, hey, can I have your? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So that's amazing. Hey, it's a good. Yeah. What? Go ahead, Tim. I'm what, sorry. Uh, no, I was gonna say. Uh, so you talk about favorites, but I'm gonna put you on the spot here, just because it is such a contentious argument. <laughs> what is the most overrated barbecue in Kansas City? Ooh, ooh, damn. I don't know if I'm even allowed to answer that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> huh. Oh, actually, I think I know the answer. I will say my personal preference is that I am not a big fan of Arthur Bryan's. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear a ton of people say that, oh, no, 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 that's, that's a classic, that's a legendary thing, but... Sometimes I feel like those feelings are driven by nostalgia more than anything. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's a very fair answer. That's one I hear a lot. I think that's one, you know, I've had it a few times. It was good, but to me, it's not, it doesn't compare. Like maybe 40 years ago, mm -hmm. sure, right? But so many other great places have opened up since then. Uh, so you're saying it's a Hickory Park of Kansas City. 
Um, yeah, maybe. Although it's definitely a lot more um, old school barbecue joint, not necessarily okay. a family restauranty type of thing, like like Hickory Park. But uh, yeah, I no, I always thought that that Hickory Park was the second best barbecue in Ames. So what was the best barbecue? Oh, Battles. Battles was absolutely the best part okay. of the deal. Fortunately, that's no longer around, but that was Yeah. Tell me a little bit. We don't have Space Camper uh, that we're going to be drinking. We'll get into our, our tasting beer in a little bit. Cool. Another one you kind of brought up, and I have with me, and I think I'm going to open up right now, is Tank 7. Cool. Yeah, I'm working on that right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Tank 7, uh, oddly enough, has been around for 11 years. Um I was trying to remember exactly. I had to cheat and look it up earlier, but yeah, this beer has been around 11 years and um, it is one of our biggest sellers around the country. Um, so, you know, oddly enough, you know, I mentioned Saison Brett earlier and a lot of people think that sort of the evolution of those beers was Tank 7 came first and then someone had the idea to put bread into it, but it was actually the reverse. So Saison Brett existed and then at one point they were, you know, getting ready to uh, make a batch of Saison bread. And so they had this Saison base um, that was in Tank 7. Go figure. There's actually a meaning behind that name. There's, there's, there's a story here. Um, and so as the kind of internal legend would have it, um, you know, this beer was sitting in there and they were like, you know, we should, we should try this just on its own and see how it is. Um, and they're like, oh, damn, that's really good. You know, before we add the Breton stuff in there, like this could this could be something just on its own. Um, and so it sort of you know made its way as the brewers drinking beer after a shift out on the, the you know, patio or whatever outside of the brew house. And then um, I guess they brought a keg of it to a festival at one point. And um, my understanding, again, this could just be internal legend, but is that someone asked them what the name was and they panicked because they didn't have a name at that point. It was just the beer that they pulled out. It was going to be Saison <laughs> Brett. Um, and so because it was in Tank 7, they said, oh, it's Tank 7. And so that's kind of how, what helped drive the name eventually. Nice. But um, yeah, so this is um, a Saison that is generously dry hopped. Um, with Amarillo. So it gives it these really lovely kind of grapefruit notes to it. Um, we do even have people ask sometimes if there's grapefruit in the beer because they are um, so very present when you're smelling and drinking it. Um, we just introduced this in 16-ounce cans this year, which I was super excited about. Um, of course, I still love it from the bottle, but there's just something about having those tall boy cans that's really amazing. Just makes it a little little more portable and take it wherever you want to go. Tank 7 poolside is amazing. Um, I can attest to that. I had some of that after our wedding. It was great. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I just, I am absolutely in love with this beer. Um, and, you know, I think what's really special about it, too, is that, uh, you know, Saison, inherently, I don't feel like is a very ubiquitous style. Like, you know, the average beer drinker may not know much about a Saison or may not be able to tell you much or even recognize that as a style. But I can tell you that there are just kind of your average beer drinkers out there that love Tank 7. Um, you know, I thought it was so funny last year. Um, we had more than one college student who tagged us on Instagram because they took their graduation photos with Tank 7 in the picture. 
So it was like, it's just so funny to watch, you know, college students who, you know, probably on any given day are drinking a lot of cheap beer for the most part, but Mm -hmm. love Tank 7. Like, it just feels like this very universal and approachable beer, despite the fact that, you know, it's pulled from this long history of uh, French and Belgian brewing that somehow made its way into Kansas City. It's just, it's crazy to me. I love Saison's. I struggled brewing them professionally, getting them to sell. Uh, you know, there were a few times we had some on the schedule and pulled it for something that we knew would, would be a bigger mover for us. It is definitely one of those styles, you're right, that it's not really ubiquitous. And it's kind of hard to make it that way. A lot of times in a market, you know, up here, there's maybe one or two saisons that sell really well. And everyone else who tries, you know, good luck taking over that draft line. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, are getting that can in, in, into people's hands. So it is something. So it's nice that there are still some really, really good ones out there like this one that I can I can pick up and I know I'm going to enjoy anytime I grab it. So uh, awesome. I, to that, certainly cheers. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you, So you mentioned that this is out in 16-ounce cans. Yeah. Uh, you guys have both cans and bottles of, of a few different brands. What's yeah. kind of the ratio of can to bottle these days? You know, of course, this is just, I don't have any specific numbers on this. I think bottles are still outselling cans, but I think cans have grown at a ridiculously rapid pace. Um, You know, and you're seeing that across the beer industry as a whole, of course, that cans are just going crazy and more and more breweries are choosing that as kind of their preferred or just as an additional packaging option for beers. Um, So yeah, cans have taken off, clearly. You know, we put unfiltered wheat in cans. We put tank seven in cans. So, uh, we're talking about our very, you know, flagship heavy focus beers that we felt confident putting into cans because the fact is, you know, it's not as simple as just saying, we're going to brew the same beer, put it into that package. Like we did a lot of testing to make sure that tank seven in a can was going to taste is just as delicious and amazing and similar to tank seven in a bottle. Um, because as you may or may not know, we bottle condition the majority of our beers. So transferring that to cans is not always the easiest process because you have to kind of figure out um, that, that packaging process and what you might need to do a little bit differently. Yeah, I, that's something that we've kind of touched on on briefly on bottle conditioning and can conditioning. It's not something that myself personally I've done a whole lot with. Uh, it is nice that it certainly does help, you know, those yeast or little oxygen scavengers and it certainly can mm-hmm. extend the life of, of a beer but you know there's a lot of, of breweries we've been seeing this recently with breweries with exploding cans and, and um. issues there, right so you know it's it's definitely something that, that that i think people need to to do uh very deliberately not necessarily just think that they can you know jump from a bottle to a can without a second thought about sure it. Well, and I mean, God, there's just, there's so many different factors in it. And, you know, you talk about um, just way yeast and bacteria and things can affect final products. You know, we pasteurize a vast majority of our barrel aged beers because, um, you know, years and years ago, we had an issue with um, a chocolate ale uh, batch that got infected. Um, so after that recall, I think John McDonald was kind of like, you know what, we're going to make sure this <laughs> doesn't happen again. Hopefully, fingers crossed. So, um, you know, we uh, pasteurize uh, pretty much anything that 
touches a barrel or has adjunct ingredients added with the exception of anything that's, you know, intentionally wild or sour. So, um, you know, it's, it is all about that diligence and, you know, learning from prior mistakes or, um, not even getting as far as a mistake, but just saying, you know, we want to ensure that whatever we're putting out there is the absolute best quality possible. Absolutely. I, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, I'll, I'll say Boulevard was probably my first, my first craft beer, my first real introduction to craft beer back in college. Uh, I've been I've been a loyal Bob's drinker every Oktoberfest for forever. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know I was I was a, a single wide and double wide guy back back when yep. those were were a thing. So uh, it's definitely been one of those, probably just because the proximity from. Uh, Ames to Kansas City, and my, my, you know, at the time, uh, my now ex-wife, her family all lives in Kansas City, so we'd spent a lot of time going down there. That was definitely probably one of the first really beers that got me into craft when, you know, I, I would have been drinking a fair amount of imports, I think, in college, but I think it was really when I started to get into American craft, it was, it was through Boulevard, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, a buddy of mine's not a big craft beer guy, but he is always... Whenever Ryan Rye comes out, he's like, I have to get every bottle that I can. Huh. So, but you guys used to do like the big bombers. Now you've kind of reduced it a little bit to smaller ones, yeah. which is a little bit easier. But yeah, like we would be on the hunt. Like there'd be a bunch of buddies of mine that are just Bud Light guys. They're like, Ryan Rye's coming out next week. We got to get every bottle I can. So I went to one store and bought like, I'm like, can I buy the entire display? He's like, sure. So I bought <laughs> the entire display and gave it to my buddies. But yeah. But no, that's something. It's funny that you mentioned that because yeah, Boulevard seems to be a good introduction for people who may not be typical craft beer people to get into craft beer and realize that there's a little bit of something for everyone. So, I you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I think that's one of my favorite things about us is that there really is like such a broad spectrum of things that we are making um, and making year round too. Um, it's always one of my peeves when people you know make a comment on our social media you know we announce an ipa and it's oh great another ipa and i always love the clap back of pointing them to our beers page and saying oh well it just so happens we make 22 other beers that we produce year round <laughs> yeah. that, can, that aren't ipas that you could drink instead so a culture yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's something that i think we take pride in that you know we have this amazing variety and that we really are doing our best to have something for everybody, no matter what their kind of what their lane is. You, you guys do get, and it, this is not a, uh, anything that you guys are doing, but you get your fair share of some pretty goofy comments, uh, from some people on social media. I sometimes wonder, uh, how many times you read something and have to step away before you even bother responding. You know, um, so it's funny because, <laughs> I always give myself a moment and fortunately my wonderful wife is often um, a filter for this stuff too <laughs> so I'll run it by her and I'll be like am I overreacting to this do I need to just let this go um, so I always give myself at least a few minutes to really think if I want to dive into this or just let it go but you know the fact is on a lot of them too I feel like I've developed a pretty good gauge for whether someone truly has an issue or question or there's an opportunity to educate or whether they're just trolling the shit out of us. I mean, like you, yeah. you, you get that radar pretty quickly once you start working in social media for a while. So, um, 
you know, I, I do enjoy when there are opportunities to actually try to, you know, communicate information to people and educate them on stuff. But um, I, I enjoy being snarky, too. So it's a, it's a fine balancing act. There are, there are plenty of trolls out there. And I, I think Beard Twitter has some of the worst in there. You know, certainly some of the best people uh, that I've gotten to know through Twitter are because of Beard Twitter. And it's a lot of fun. But there are a few people that you know, say some shit just to, <laughs> just to get people around. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what they have, Tim? What's that? They have accounts on untapped. That's true. <laughs> that that is true. Uh, the bane of your existence. Yeah, it is it is well known on this podcast that I have strong opinions about people using <laughs> untapped incorrectly. Uh, I don't know if you follow the untapped all stars, but it's probably one of my favorite uh, when they do rarely share uh, some some pretty silly comments that people make, I've I've written many words about how people are using Untapped. So, so we have kind of an annual event here in Kansas City where uh, reps from all the local breweries get together, and someone else at the brewery compiles a big old list of um, mean Untapped comments, beer advocate <laughs> stuff, you know all the internet like shitty comments that people have left. And so it's a play off that celebrities read mean tweets or whatever. And so they gather at one of the local beer bars and it's, it's become a big spectacle every year and it's amazing. So I, I have dug those up for the past you know few years or so. And it's just, yeah, it's a trip seeing the things that people put out there in the world. What's uh, what, what's give me a sample. What's what's something. Oh, hold on. I might have this, be able to pull this list up from my email. I like I like this idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this around some of the brewers up here. See if we can get that going because there have been uh, some pretty classics. Well, you're looking up. By the way, I love some of your one-offs like Plaid Hab and Dark Truth. Have been really good. Like you guys do a lot of really special beers, and they're all incredible. So props on that. Oh, thank you. And you know, Plaid Hab. Yeah, I loved Plaid Hab. Yes. Um, a lot of the stuff that comes out of our uh, barrel aging program um, is really incredible. And I think it's kind of one of the underrated pieces of our brewery, actually. Um, so, you know, we'll sip a little bourbon barrel quad here soon. But so it's year round. We have another year round whiskey barrel stout. Um, and then our barrel team produces all kinds of crazy one offs and limited releases, too. Um, we have over 5,000 barrels in our cellar which I don't think people realize like just how huge our barrel agents were. Oh yeah. Is that, crazy. The, is that the place just off of where Ponex is at? Is that where your main place is at? Is that where they'd store them or no? no so there, that's, that's our wild and sour facility. So we okay. have, we have some fooders there um, and we have some yeah, dedicated barrels just for wild and sour production, just so we have that isolated from everything else. Um, but we have another facility that's way out where no one even knows that it exists um that houses the majority of our barrels um and it's a trip walking through that place it's one of my favorite places to go just kind of wander around and see what they're working on and the new stuff that they have i know a lot of really small parts of kansas city because i'm a train fan so i know arcadia and places like that where is that actually at that is olathe overland park is it in bonner springs the uh, the barrel facility or the warehouse? Yeah. So it's out um, – it's just in Kansas City, Missouri, kind of um, southeast of the brewery. Okay. Uh, so it, out in sort of no man's land, just in an industrial park. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, here we go. I, I found it. So some of these are good. Oh, this is a great one. 
So this is, uh, since we're talking about the barrel program, this was a, an amphora aged sour ale that we did. And someone's comment on it was, tastes and smells like a collection of old folks home undergarments squeezed into a bottle. <laughs> okay then let's see Uh, (laughs) here's one this one just yeah this person is mad um sour beers are such trash such a dumb hipster fad a high abv such as imperial ipa stouts and quads take skill anyone can brew a dumb sour blah 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 and it rattles off much beers those are good beers hope you release good beer this fall You can make absolute poison if you don't know what you're doing uh, with the sour program. But just throwing in a shit ton of malt that makes something high ABV doesn't take any skill. Yeah, I, I, I like that claim that uh, making a high ABV stout is what takes real skill and not just. Yeah. <laughs> so you got a lot of dextrose. All right, good for you. <laughs> well, uh why don't we go ahead and take a break here and then we'll uh, pop back in and then we'll talk a little bit about the bourbon barrel quad. Does that sound yeah, good? That sounds, sounds like a plan, Stan. Awesome. We will see you guys all in a little bit. This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. And welcome back to Bitter Units. We are, once again, we are joined by Mr. Pat Mullen, president of the John Stamos Fan Club and Full House. (laughs) Uh, We are going to taste a little bit of... Bourbon Barrel Quad. Normally, this is is the time where we tell you a little bit about the beer. I kind of talk about a little history of the brewery, but we already got a little bit of the history of the brewery. And since we have an expert on the beer with us, um, Pat, I'm going to let you describe Bourbon Barrel Quad, uh, a little bit about what goes into it, what you guys like about it, how it's doing for you. Yeah. Um, So we have a beer called the Six Class, which is um, a Belgian-style quadruple. So this beer is a big shock, that beer put into bourbon barrels. Um, But what I think kind of makes it really interesting and special is um, as, you know, uh, some of that beer from the barrels evaporates um, and that angel share is um, removed from the barrels, we add tart cherries to make up for that uh, lost space in the barrels. So um, as that beer sits in the bourbon barrels, it also sits with the tart cherries and just creates this really lovely, like slightly tart, but also, you know, the big flavors of vanilla and oak and caramel that you would get from a quadruple. Um, and, you know, it's a barrel aged beer, but um, it's a blended barrel aged beer. So I don't feel like you're punched in the face with barrel like you are some barrel aged beers. So as a result, I think you have this incredibly easy drinking beer that's um <laughs> that's 11 or excuse me 12.2 percent abv and so it's like yeah i absolutely adore this beer um 
I think it's one of our underappreciated beers. And as I mentioned earlier, it's year round too. So, you know, you see a lot of barrel aged beers that are just available as limited releases or one offs. And you can grab this any time of the year off the shelf, which I think is super cool. You, uh, do you know how long it's aged in barrels for? Um, so my understanding is that, you know, because it's a blend, I think the oldest beer that you might get blended into that is aged up to three, three years. Um, but you know, they'll do kind of varying, um, varying lengths of time as part of that blend. So, you know, you might get a little, a little bit of six months, a little bit of a year something along those lines. Yeah. And I think that's, what's especially incredible about this is that, you know, they're constantly doing this year round and it's a blend. So from batch to batch, they're able to make this so consistent as something that has to be incredibly hard to nail, you know, as, you know, keeping that consistency with something that can be unpredictable like these bourbon barrels and making sure that a blended batch of varying ages turns out the same way that it did last time. Yeah, I no, I, I think that that blending barrels is a heart an art all to itself that is completely you know you can be the world's best brewer and not know what you're doing on blending and some people that just kind of focus on blending are are, are incredible uh, again to have something that you want to be able to drive that consistency through you're, you're working with one of the most inconsistent uh variables there in in you know barrel to barrel can taste very different I think it's an underappreciated art too, because, you know, I think back to when we released our, we released this crazy blend of barrel aged beers for our 30th anniversary last year. And it was like 10 different beers or something that were in that. Um, of course we got the comments online, like, Oh, so you just mixed together a bunch of old beers, which was certainly not the case. And you, but I think people look at it as like something that's lazy or a shortcut. And I don't think they realize that it's actually way way more of a meticulous kind of art form than they believe. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, beer is something that not every beer is going to uh, age well. Barrels can have any number of, of microorganisms living in them, uh, varying levels of oxygen permeability and how they're breathing, various levels of, of you know, whiskey or, or whatever booze still left in, in the staves of the wood, that there's just so many variables going on there. And then to have different ages and have, you know, I can think this, the times where we would just barrel age something in four different barrels and three tasted exactly the same and one was completely different. And it mm-hmm. wasn't like, I couldn't even say, oh, that one is infected, but it's, you know, just something radically different. It's not the same, yeah. 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 So, no, I no, I appreciate that. So you mentioned, uh, you said this is what, 11-2? Uh, 12-2. 12-2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this, <laughs> this is a big boy. Uh, I, I, I'm glad we didn't start off earlier with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although that Tank 7 I was drinking as well, that's that's what, like 8? So that's not... 8-5, yeah. 8-5, yeah. So tank 7's 8-5? Uh-huh. Yeah. I had no idea. Okay. I figured that was lower octane, but I, I was... That's why, the, that's why those college students love it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, think the, I think the bourbon barrel quad, the, the BBQ, is definitely one of those things that you know, does drink a lot more like a spirit in a lot of ways. So I can certainly see where, where college students would like that as well. 
Uh, so the way that we kind of go through this um, is I just kind of do the classic appearance, aroma, taste, mouthfeel, finish type of thing. Cool. I'll usually ask JT kind of what he's seen. I'll ask your thoughts, opinions, what you're getting out of this as well. Certainly, you know this beer better than we do, although I've definitely drank more than my fair share of this. Um, and from what I can remember after doing so, uh, <laughs> I'll chime in as well. Um, but uh, first of all, uh, JT, what are you getting just kind of from that appearance? It's it, it's a reddish brown color, um, kind of like if you mixed a beer with a red wine, like you mix a beer with a Cabernet is kind of how to describe that color. Uh, definitely looks like a beer that should be in Chalice or something like the beer class I'm drinking out right now. It's definitely something you don't want out of a, you know, lager, you know, or mug or something like that. It's definitely something you want a little bit more round to give it that full flavor. Once again, like a wine glass. Uh, but it's you can see light through it. It's dark, but it's definitely a reddish brown. Uh, almost maybe ruby would be a better color. But it's it's it, I like I like the appearance of it. Yes, we you actually have... get aroma from it too. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. Uh, before I ask Pat, uh, since you can smell, uh, I don't know if <laughs> allergies are down or if it's just so potent. What are you getting out of that, that aroma? My initial smell is it smells like a Cabernet Red. Like, okay. uh, so and that'd be some spice notes just going off what I know from Cabernets because I don't drink that much wine. But maybe a little bit of cherry, which we discussed before. But you can definitely taste or smell the barrel aged of it. But it's a clean smell despite the fact that it's barrel aged. But it's very enjoyable just to sniff it and have it hold it in your nose. Like, I don't mind it at all. Awesome. So, Pat, what what does the cell sheet uh, tell us what this thing is supposed to look like? And what... <laughs> the cell sheet says, um, yeah. <laughs> so, I know you have. <laughs> oh, of course I do. Well, yeah. Um, so it actually doesn't say anything about a visual, but I'll say, yeah, I think um, JT hit the nail on the head. You get this interesting kind of cloudiness to it almost. And it does kind of have this reminiscent, like, uh, reddish hue to it. Um, surely a contribution from those cherries that are part of the barrel aging. Um, I think it's a really beautiful looking beer, actually, once the light hits it, because there's, like, still a slight, um, you know, iridescence to it. But it does have a little bit of haze in there. Um, when it comes to aroma, cell sheet, you know, it says <laughs> bourbon, cherry, vanilla, dark fruit, and oak. Um, I can tell you when I smell it. Um, I'm kind of on the same page as JT. I think you're kind of shocked that, you know, a beer that is, you know, bourbon is the first word in the name that you're not smelling whiskey right up front per se, um, which I think you get in a lot of bourbon barrel aged beers. Like you smell them and it's like, oh shit, that's, yeah, that's bourbon. Um, but this one, it's uh, sweetness to it, but it's a subtle sweetness. So you do get those, you know, the cherries and the vanilla and the dark fruit. And it does almost have a wine like aroma to it, which I think is cool. Yeah. I, you know, I get JT said, you know, spicy largely, you know, from that kind of cabernet type of thing, but you do almost get just because of the way the cherry mixes with like the tannin from the barrel, you get sort of that maybe kind of peppery, maybe clovey type of aroma totally. pops yeah. out of that as well, which is really nice. So then, uh, and we kind of do these all together since I think they really 
interact, but we kind of talk about each piece of it. But uh, JT, how about taste, mouthfeel, and finish? You definitely get a different initial taste, and then the finish is completely different. It's very smooth on your palate when you hold it in your mouth. But once you fit, once you actually swallow, you get that dark notes, you get that cherry flavor, you get that oaky flavor. I never really get the whiskey flavor at all, or the bourbon, really. But it's it's consistent, but you can definitely taste the cherry more up front and then kind of the oaky towards the end, if that makes sense. Yeah, I no, I, I, I can see where you're getting that. Again, kind of like what Pat said, is it doesn't just taste straight up boozy like it has it has that that warm alcohol perception on the tongue um but you know sometimes people talk about their favorite barrel aged beers and i'm like that just that tastes like ethanol to me that's all i'm getting <laughs> at I don't, I don't understand why you're drinking something to hurt yourself but uh this one yeah it doesn't knock you over with holy cow i'm drinking bourbon but it does definitely have kind of that cordial spirit type of 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 flavor there and then you know it's definitely like a good belgian quad it's definitely uh chewier but not uh you know not like it's it's super filling because it's kind of you know it got that delicate low carbonation not not something that that's um kind of fighting your palate as well and then yeah it, it finishes actually uh drier than I think the the sweetness you get up front and the sweetness you get out of the nose it finishes a lot drier than that would kind of lead on uh, it doesn't I, it doesn't taste like 12 percent either like I, if I had to rate mm-hmm. it like what would the ABV on that I'd be like seven to eight percent it is definitely doesn't feel like a 12 percent put you on your butt type of beer totally yeah so yeah, Pat any other thoughts on 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 you know, um, I think you guys were spot on. Um, you know, I think one of the things I really enjoy about it is, as you mentioned, the bourbon. It's not super prevalent when you're first tasting it. But where I get it is it's almost like this lingering on the back of your tongue. So, you know, you have a few drinks and you're sitting there and it's like it's almost like warmth that you feel on your tongue. Like, OK, yes, that's the like bourbon familiar you know, taste and feeling and sensation that I know. Um, and uh, Tim, you kind of alluded to it. It's a, you know, an oddly but enjoyably dry finish for a beer that you would expect to kind of coat your mouth because it sounds like it could be so sweet with the cherries added to it and, you know, just the vanilla and everything you get from the bourbon. But it's not like you take a drink of this and you're not stuck there with that kind of like, that you get from some barrel aged beers, like you're ready to have another drink pretty quickly. Like you don't have to sit there and let that sort of dissipate. Um, I love it, you know, I, and I, I think it's amazing that, yeah, this beer is uh, so high in alcohol, but drinks like it is absolutely not. Um, our barrel team and the brewers do such an incredible job with this. So, one of the things that we talked about last time was, um, uh, you know, beer to me is such an occasion-based type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about what's kind of the beer you drink when you're grilling, what, what's the beer you drink when you're golfing. Uh, what do you think are the best occasions for drinking this thing? I feel like this is very much a nightcap beer for me. Like, this is the beer that 
I'm cracking open, man. I'm headed to bed. Maybe I'm not going, obviously not going to sleep yet. I guess I've got a broken girl quad to finish, but maybe I'm <laughs> turning on a movie or something. And I'm just, I'm not just relaxing, you know, like that's to me what it is, it is the, you know, relaxation. I'm chilling and I'm not doing shit. I'm laying on the couch. I'm going up to bed. Like this is a great nightcap beer for sure. Um, I think it's a great dessert beer if you're talking like food. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, there's just so many opportunities here. You know, I imagine this like with a salted caramel cheesecake or something. It would be really delicious. We actually had at our wedding um, a uh, churro cheesecake. I think this would be incredible with that. Um, so I think there's a lot of fun things you could do with this and desserts. Yeah. No, absolutely. I was thinking that as well. I think, yeah, a salted caramel cheesecake sounds on. I also think that there's probably kind of like some uh, – you know, maybe sweeter type of barbecue things, though, that I think this would work. Yeah. Sweet and savory barbecue, I think, would work. You know, totally. This one tastes really good with a really good rack of ribs. Yeah. Right, right? Like, like have, yeah. a B- have a BBQ with your BBQ. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That or even, I wouldn't mind having this, like, if I was, we're making s'mores at a tail, at a campfire. Yeah. This would be really good with that. Like, have the s'mores, have the marshmallows, have the chocolate, have the graham cracker, and have this on the side. Like, yeah, it's, like you said, a nightcap. It's going to have before you go to bed for the night, but it's definitely going to help you sleep through the night peacefully and happily. It's it's an indulgent beer, no doubt. Yes. Um, and so, you know, having this is kind of a way to, you know, uh, and maybe end your weekend like it's a Sunday night beer or, you know, we talked about food. So if you're really like going hard on a beautiful meal, like this is a great way to end it off or, you know, barbecue is a great suggestion. Um, you know, I think anything that has a little spice to it would make a great companion to this. Um, we talked about Port Fonda earlier. I'm thinking about like, this really delicious uh, torta sandwich they have that's got kind of, you know, a spicy uh, pork on it. I think that would be super good with this. I'd love to have some burnt ends with this right about mm-hmm. now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, burnt ends are the best. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i I'm a little disappointed that, that Aaron uh, couldn't join us. Uh, again, kind of the conceit of this is that Aaron is the the quote unquote beer dummy, um, but he does like definitely malt forward beers, uh, certainly a lot more than than you know. Otherwise, he's you know he's a light beer drinker. Um, although he's d- done a surprisingly good job of, of of branching out his palate here considerably through all of this, but I think this is something that that uh, I will say uh, in his absence, I think he would enjoy so. Um, it's so nice when the little kids grow up. Yeah, exactly. Well, no. Well, see, this is what you get when you leave us, Aaron. This is what you get. You miss out on a fantastic beer. I hope next week we pick a beer you hate just when you come back. Ooh. Yeah. We can make that happen. Yeah, I'm kind of spiteful. I get that. That's fine. <laughs> um, no, this is this is a fantastic beer. Again, this isn't something I'm going to crack open after mowing the lawn. Right. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Un- yeah. Unless unless things went really really bad and I had yeah. to spend the time fixing my lawnmower, then there's a couple times I mowed the lawn. Even recently, I sliced my I had a giant slice in my thigh from uh, running the weed whacker and putting a new string line on where I had a giant giant gash. Like you know what? After that, you know what? This would have probably helped me be like you know what? It was okay after all because <laughs> sometimes alcohol is the best medicine. It's a, it's a coping beer. Yeah. There you go. Is this is this something available at Kaufman? 
Um, you know, I don't know that they do have this available out of Kaufman. Um, it's available on draft, but fairly limited. So okay. it is. I don't believe it is a Royals game beer, but I would I would drink it at a Royals game if I was there. Obviously, drink all those Imperial, Imperial Stouts. Why wouldn't I drink this? <laughs> I think that would get pretty dangerous, <laughs> especially uh, depending on how the game is going. That uh, might get yeah. uh, pretty messy pretty quick. Absolutely. Uh, there have been a few times at some Twins games uh, where I have decided to, to amp it up a little bit. Target field is uh, awesome, though. Target field is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me know next time you're up here. Uh, and we can be one of the, the three non-cardboard fans allowed in the There in we the go. Studio. I'll give you that. Uh, Target field actually gets very generous pours of Jameson for $8, where they basically gave me like a quarter of a bottle of Jameson for 8 bucks. I'm like, okay, this is our <laughs> last drink for the next three innings because it's only the second, so... Yeah, you know, uh, last was it last year? Yeah, last year, um, me and another brewer, the head brewer of, of Unmapped, uh, were out. We, we were going to have lunch and talk about some things, and, uh, and he said, "You know, I kind of don't want to go back. I'm gonna I'm gonna call my my lead brewer and tell him I'm just not going back in." And I said, "I'll do the same thing." And so then we just played hooky and went to a game at Target Field and while we were standing there then another one of our friends just popped up and walked up uh, who was also doing the same thing. It was a, a perfect Friday afternoon uh, and then we proceeded to, I don't re- even remember what we were drinking, but we had uh, probably more than we should have uh, and then, you know, went to a bar after the game and continued. So uh, Yeah, but you got light rail, you've got taxi cabs, you've got oh, Uber, yeah. so yeah. Absolutely. And the light rail in the Twin Cities is highly underrated, by the way. It is. It is nice. I, I, I went to St. Paul the other day, and I almost took that, but an express bus is going to be faster. But, uh, there you go. It is convenient. It's certainly convenient if you get to the airport, too. So, Awesome. Uh, Pat, anything else you want to say about this beer? I don't think so, huh? Any other... I'm so glad you guys were able to uh, grab it and enjoy it with me. It's one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, JT, you have any other thoughts on this beer as well? J- Did I lose you, JT? I I may have, or am I gone? Did no, I accidentally have... clicked on it. You got me now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say what I was gonna say is I really wish I didn't have to work tomorrow morning because I'd have a second one of these. But <laughs> I have to be up early in the morning on a Saturday for my first Saturday of this month to work. So, yeah, this is like you said a great nightcap, and oh man, it's just. It's just awesome. It reminds me a lot of the rye on rye, just the same barrel aged mm-hmm. flavor. The dark truth of uh, the, oh God, the uh, plat habit, all that. It's all cut, kind of cut from the same vein. But yeah, this is very, 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 very dangerous at 12% because it doesn't <laughs> taste like it at all. Yeah. So <laughs> for sure. As my buddy said with the rye on rye, it's very tasty, but you have one, you better be where you want to be for the rest of the night. Because it's going to hit you harder than you think. Yep. Awesome. Well, um, I think that's all we have. Pat, is there anything else you want? This is now your opportunity to uh, plug anything you want, uh, anything going on. We have tens of followers that are very loyal <laughs> <laughs> that, that listen to us furiously. Uh, hi, Mom. 
Uh, and so if there's anything you, you want to talk about, anything that, that's, that's coming up, any new releases, any events, uh, yeah. Yeah, no events. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you mentioned uh, Bob's 47 earlier, so um, yeah. here's, here's a hot scoop that nobody knows yet, but um, that's coming out here soon, so that'll be releasing early August. Um, you know, great and very much a fan favorite seasonal of ours. So that's coming really soon. Um, yeah. So from the Boulevard side, I think that's it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, thank you very, very much again for joining us. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys. Uh, uh, yeah. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you're willing to come back sometime. Of course. Yeah. And, and, uh, and thank your, your, your brand new bride for, for giving you up on a Friday evening to hang I out. I sure will. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, JT, anything else you kind of want to add? No, I'm just glad to have someone on Boulevard Brewing because it's been one of my favorite breweries for a number of years. And uh, glad to finally put a familiar face with that brewery. And I hope to have you back and talk about another beer very, very, very soon. That's awesome. Well, maybe yeah. we'll all get to um, enjoy beers in a baseball game one of these days. Who knows? Oh, yeah. <sighs> That would be fantastic. Uh, well, I, again, hey, guys, thank you guys for very much for joining us. Please make sure you, you check out our sponsor, Deadeye Barbecue Sauce. Again, deadeyebbq.com. Make sure you check out everything on the tailgatesociety.com. We've got a lot of great podcasts, a lot of great articles. We've got some new contributors, some new voices, uh, really a lot of exciting things happening there. Uh, culture checks, sports and corks matinee baseball uh what am i missing we we have a, a whole host of, of podcasts a lot of great uh articles being written as well so uh we just did our baseball preview which i'm sure uh now that we're we're into baseball is probably already out of date because so many things are changing yeah uh, because they decided to add twice as many playoff teams to the mix but yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so, uh uh, it should be it should be interesting, but uh, yeah. Again, thank you very much, Pat. Thank you very much, JT. Thank you very much, li- listeners. Uh, once again, this has been bitter. No- this has been bitter units. I've had too much quad. <laughs> <laughs> this has been bitter units, and we will see you next time. <laughs>